0: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru. And today we are answering questions about your dog. So if you have never listened to Ask Your Dog Guru before, it's pretty much what it sounds like. You send in your questions. I get listener questions every week. I pick from them and I respond. So if you have a question of your own, you can email me directly at dogguru. Here for you at gmail.com, or you can click the link in the show notes. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to click subscribe wherever you're listening to us and rate and review us as well. It helps others find us and brings up our ranking. So thank you in advance. If you haven't already, be sure to find us on Facebook. It's super easy. All you have to do is search for Dog Guru Hounds and ask to join our group. It's a great place to share questions about your dog, photos, share stories, and meet other listeners. I'm also very active in the group myself, so it's a great way to interact with me directly. A couple other things before we get started. If you haven't already, please check out BlazingCaribouStudios.com for all the latest episodes on some of your favorite podcasts. Varmints, My Worst Holiday, The Soapy Madams, Trivia Geeks, and lots, lots more. So go over to BlazingCaribouStudios.com right now and fill your podcast playlist with all the latest Last announcement is, if you are thinking about starting a podcast or need help with editing, head on over to EndeavorPodcastSolutions.com. The link is in the show notes. There's a little bit of everything for everyone on there. If you need podcast coaching, if you're looking for editing help, or if you're interested in starting up a podcast, go ahead and check out EndeavorPodcastSolutions.com. Podcasting simplified. Okay, our first question comes from April, and she writes, Hello, I'm needing some advice or guidance. My boyfriend has a Rottweiler puppy that will be two in November, and I have a teddy bear puppy, Shih Tzu Bichon Mix. She's 12 weeks old. I'm wondering if this can work out at all. Their first meeting was not great. The Rottweiler was so excited to meet her and very sweet, while Lexi the teddy bear was terrified. She let the bigger dog sniff her, but did make a whine crying sound at times. We only stayed about 30 minutes thinking short and sweet. This was the way to go for this first time. Is there something I can do to make this process better for them? Is a friendship even feasible with these two breeds? My quick answer to that question is yes. I am of the belief that if, and this has been proven to be true, if you do it right, You often head off a lot of issues long-term. Now, does this mean that they're always going to go along? No, it doesn't. And does it mean you need to be a little bit protective? Yes, because of the size difference, mainly. Um, It's very easy for a small dog that is in an imprint period, which your puppy is, to get overwhelmed. So short and sweet was a good idea, but short and sweet for a dog could have been 15 minutes. So I would cut those sessions in half. I know it sounds like you're just driving out of your way for nothing. But honestly, if you want to make sure that they have a stable relationship, doing even shorter could get you further in in a shorter amount of time. I would say the number one problem with introducing these two breeds is really just the size difference. You're going to have to be super aware of where the two of them are at all the time because it's going to be easy if she tries to send a message, "No, I want to stop." You know, he bats her with a paw and she's injured. So you have to be careful in that way. And I'm not saying that the Rottweiler would be the offender. Sometimes small dogs figure out, you know, they're only real plan of attack is to work the system. So they find their ways around things too. But you have a few things that I want to mention. First of all, if your boyfriend's dog is intact, meaning he hasn't been fixed, I wouldn't go any further. Now there's a few reasons I'm saying this, but the number one reason is he's going to have a lot more energy than she's going to be able to deal with. So boyfriend, I would highly recommend you neutering your dog if you want your girlfriend to live with you because quite frankly, all the dog he's ever going to be has already been developed in two years. So he doesn't need to be intact and you're going to head off a lot of disagreements. It's natural for an intact male to be more dominant, to pick more fights to, I mean, and I'm not saying all of them are like that. I've got two intact males and I can honestly tell you the only reason it works is because I do the work and it's a lot of work. You know, if you both have jobs and lives that don't revolve around your dogs, then realistically, this is going to help simplify the process because a few things are happening. The dogs are moving in together probably to, I'm assuming, into your boyfriend's place. So my concern here is this is where the Roddy has been and established that he is alpha in the home, or he may have established, at least in his mind, that he's alpha. I really would go about this cautiously because say she tries saying in doggy language, no, back off, and he goes, no, this is my house. I'm gonna do it my way. This is where I would intervene. Okay, so a couple of things that you can do to really help them connect and make this a safer transition. First of all, have them both leashed, even if you've had them off leash before. There's a few reasons I say this, but the, the main one being if things get out of control, you have control over the larger dog and the, the smaller dog won't get underfoot. I would immediately start working on basic obedience with the two of them in the room because one of the main things and every pet parent goes through this, so it's not just your dogs, is they they don't wanna share the attention they're used to getting all by themselves. So she might not wanna share you, and he may not wanna share your boyfriend. Additionally, they may start getting jealous of one another, you know, over toys, space, things like that. If you start working their minds around one another, and they're both getting affection, and they're both getting positive feedback, and they're both building confidence already, by them just being in the same place at the same time, doing something that is positive will help to bond them. And it also helps establish boundaries. So this way, when you ask them to stop something or do something, you've already got the language going. So that's the other reason I say that. The other thing I would recommend is walking them together in neutral territory. So take them to a park, doesn't have to be a dog park, just a park, walk them together on leash. Start getting them familiar with each other on neutral ground and have the Roddy visit you, if possible. So this way it's not just one going to one's house. You you have to make sure that they've got exposure in both directions. Because I don't want the Roddy to guard his space. Now I'm not saying he's going to do this, but naturally they're guarders. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that at some point there's going to be a disagreement. Now, again. This isn't to say this wouldn't happen with other breeds. I can tell you honestly, every time I've ever moved a dog in, whether it was a client dog or, you know, a dog I had adopted, that was a rescue situation, whatever the case may have been, a foster, whatever the case may have been, there's always an adjustment period. And the easiest way to head off fights is by establishing that you're in charge of who dispenses attention. They don't decide when they're getting it. You do. Walking them in neutral territory is a is a helpful skill because while they have all of this external stimuli out in the world, they're also getting what's referred to as flooding. They're getting exposed to one another and in a non-combative way. You know, they're not focused, hyper-focused on you or each other. And that's a good thing. Often when dogs get into it, it's because they're facing each other. They're staring each other down. There's been a lot of nonverbal language often, you know, stiffening, Sometimes they'll raise their hackles up, the hair on the back of their neck like a little mohawk or all the way down their back if they're super creative. Basically, these are all signals of stress. Licking, yawning, all of these can be signs of stress. Pinning ears. So these are things you need to be watching out for, but... I would start by setting easy boundaries. Yes, we walk together now. Yeah, we visit each other now. No, you can't jump on the other dog, okay? Because there is a size difference here. So play is going to be very different, a Rottie and another Rottie versus a Rottie and a very, very small dog. You're talking about what I'm assuming is about a 10 10- pound dog probably not even 10 pounds yet you're going to have to make sure that if the roddy gets rough that you guys are breaking it up and intervening it's not about getting angry with the roddy the roddy's just being his size but it's about intervening and not letting it get out of control so someone doesn't you don't want anybody get hurt. You don't want to end up with the Roddy getting overexcited and, and rolling on the dog. These things can happen. So just be vigilant. Don't leave them unattended and assume they're best friends. Also, adjustments can take months. So don't assume this is going to happen overnight. I really like that you're already taking the initiative to expose them to one another. I would just add some structure to it. You're on the right track, but you've already had an incident where your dog got overwhelmed. So probably too much too soon don't quote save her go ahead and intervene break it up and make them do something else either focus on their own toys ask the roddy to go stay over on a dog bed somewhere start creating boundaries so this way you're not constantly having to manage them long term but keep in mind this is not going to happen overnight even if the dog were living in the same even if the dogs were living in the same house you would still have an adjustment period. And then some things will pop up that you don't expect. I have a Newfoundland and I had a service dog for many, many years who he was raised with. Well, he definitely tried pressing boundaries when he was physically well enough to, you know, his whole puppyhood. You'll, If you've heard earlier episodes, you'll know we struggled with keeping him healthy. He had every struggle that any puppy could have because he contracted a rare hybrid strain of distemper. With all of that in mind, he wasn't at his best his first year and he definitely didn't want to press on... The older dog's nerves. But then when he got his strength back and built up his confidence and started learning, oh, well, I'm actually quite a bit bigger than him. He tried throwing his weight around a bit. And that's where I had to intervene because here's the alpha is actually a senior dog. A younger dog will absolutely try and establish that hierarchy early. Better for them to be obeying you, listening to the cues that you're giving them individually and together, than for you just to throw them in the same room and hope they're friends. Often... That doesn't work, you know, at least not with without some heartache. I'm not saying it's always gonna be serious, but it's definitely adding unnecessary risk. And once you feel like they're not overly focused on one another, then you can start on clipping the leash. You know, large dogs see small dogs and the small dog will take off and start running and the large dog will just barrel after them. So you have to be really aware of the energy that's in the room. If the rottie is being too much, He needs to take a break, go lay down. He's not, he shouldn't be in trouble for being a Roddy any more than your dog should be in trouble for being afraid. (laughs) I would really try and build in some safe structure and then update me, let me know how it's going. Are you an aspiring podcaster? Do you have a great idea for a show but have no idea where to begin? What equipment will you need? Which host should you use? Perhaps you're an established show and editing is taking valuable time out of your day. Endeavor Podcast Solutions has you covered. It's so easy. You just send in your recording and in as little as two days, you'll get it back professionally edited, mixed, and mastered. From podcast strategy to post-production, trust Endeavor. Our next question comes from Yuritsa and she writes, I have a Labrador that does not like cats. He killed two from outside that got into my yard in January and now has killed my own cat. He's four and a half and I need help. My son rescued a kitten and I'm totally nervous. Can he be trained or will he never change? I think this sounds like a prey drive problem. I haven't met the dog. I already kind of write off when dogs kill things that come into their yard. But when he kills a cat that was in your home, that's where I'm like, okay, this is too far. Not that I'm okay with him killing the other cats, let me make that very clear, I'm not. I'm just saying a lot of times when animals wander onto your property, it's your dog's natural instinct to protect that property. I don't feel like we should dismiss the fact that they're animals. Frankly, regardless of a dog's size or breed, typically if something wanders into the yard, they look at it as an intruder and treat it as such. So while I'm not saying that that's the best of scenarios, I'm just saying that's how most dogs interpret things that wander into the yard. I had a service dog for many, many years. Nicest dog, never aggressed. But a squirrel came into our yard and started taunting him, like actually taunting him, running back and forth and, you know, getting close to him, then running back up the fence. One day my dog got him and doesn't have a mean bone in his body you know, and I would never ever have been concerned with his behavior. He had handled plenty of other situations with small animals, dogs, chickens, horses. He had been exposed to a million different environments and animals. So I knew it was this situation. It was the animal coming into my yard. I can only say that because I had all these other animals or had been been rehabbing other animals and had exposed them, him to them. And he knew if they were in the house and I exposed him to them, that they were allowed and he wouldn't fuss with them or same thing in public. But when it wanders onto the yard, no, to him, it was fair game. To me, that is an aggression. Okay. So I want to say that, but in your case, you're seeing this dog kill four cats, Enough is enough. I wouldn't give him any exposure to another cat because even if this is a trainable issue, right now your son's got a kitten in the house and I wouldn't risk it. It's not worth risking because the second that your son has his head turned and that kitty wanders out of his room and into the hallway, that dog's gonna get it. And while this wouldn't always be my advice, I'm going to recommend that your son find a home for the cat. I would normally not give this advice. But the thing is, is that even with a behaviorist involved and working on this week to week, it would still be a very high risk environment for this cat. I mean, extremely high risk because we've already got a death toll going on here. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm trying to be smart about this. It's not a matter of training right now. It's about protecting and not letting him continue to reoffend. If you want to address the issue, I would highly recommend hiring an animal behaviorist, somebody that is certified in animal behavior who can walk you through if this is a salvageable situation after coming to your home. They would need to come to your home, meet with you, meet with the dog, ask a lot of questions, get a history on the situation, and figure out if this is, is if this could be fixed. But what I'm going to tell you, based on what I'm receiving from your information, I wouldn't risk it. For now, I would rehome the cat. Try and if your yard isn't fenced in, make sure he's leash walked so he can't get access to cats and kill them outside. I mean, this is a management situation right now. Before you can fix a problem, if it is to be fixed, you need to establish what the problem is. And I will tell you if this is a case of predatory aggression where he just sees these cats as prey, that is the one form of aggression I have never seen fixed. It's the only form of aggression that I would have turned a client down and explained to them why it's not going to work. The problem with predatory aggression is it is pure instinct. It's Often, a tremendous amount of management from the home and from the owner. It's a lot of work. And while I'm not saying you're unwilling to do that, you need a professional to evaluate this dog in your home. That's if you're going to try and fix this problem, that's what you need. You don't need a regular trainer, you need an animal behaviorist, somebody who specializes in aggression, like I used to do. But for now, Let's not only keep the cat separate, let's give the cat a new home. And I'm very sorry to be the one who has to say this. It's not what I want to say, but I also have to be an advocate for the other animals involved here. And every so often I'll come across a case that just has too many red flags for me to ignore. I'm not saying this dog can't be worked through. I am saying, based on how you're reporting this, I wouldn't risk it right now, and I certainly wouldn't go any further without a professional. If you have any other questions regarding this case for me, you can email me, gmail.com or you can send me a message in the Dog Guru Hounds group. That's an easy way to get a hold of me as well. Our next question comes from Catherine and Catherine writes, my dog tickles gets freaked out. If you give her too much attention, especially if she suspects you want to do something like God forbid, brush her. She will drop to the ground when you try to touch her. I call this turning into a puddle on the floor. And then as soon as you stop, she slinks off into the other room and lays there staring at you. She's a rescue dog and was found with over a hundred ticks on her in the middle of the road in a rural area and was extensively groomed by the people who found her. Is it possible that it traumatized her and we can reverse that? She definitely needs to be brushed now and then. She's so fluffy. Oh my goodness. Tickles, you're beautiful. I love her photos. Okay. Yes, there is a way to get her comfortable with grooming. Lots of dogs, surprisingly, don't like to be groomed of the long hair variety. I had to get my new fondling used to this so I feel your pain. He was not a rescue dog, but he still didn't like anybody messing with his long, lustrous locks. He likes his hair just where it is, and he'd prefer I let him get matted and all messy and the whole bit. So I understand. The first thing we need to do is start making this fun for tickles. Rather than making it a job and something that she has to anticipate with fear, let's make it something she looks forward to. So pick something that Tickles really likes, whether it's a cookie or peanut butter or maybe a little bit of cheese, something really good. Start off by letting her know you have it. So give her a little piece of cheese just to get her interested, okay? Because if there's any trauma here, we wanna override some of those signals in the brain. And the best way to do that is by flooding it with positive signals. (laughs) And food does that for dogs. Don't even take out the brush right away. Just start, you know, getting her eye contact. Say something super simple like, watch me. Work on getting her eye contact, something very easy, okay? And then once you've got her doing that, or even something as simple as a sit, it's just about getting her attention. Go ahead and start combing your fingers through her hair. Just do it for two seconds. Just your fingers. Praise her, give her cheese, and stop. Now you're like, well, that was all of 30 seconds. Yes, that's all it is. Right now, short sessions are going to get you further. If she was over-groomed, time could be a stressor for her. So aside from the actual act of grooming, she's assuming this is gonna take forever and it's gonna be super stressful. You even note that if you tickle her too much or if you're petting her too long, she starts getting stressed. So let's shorten the sessions. Let's do three to five seconds. Switch it up, three seconds, two seconds, five seconds, one second. So she never knows how long she's going to get your attention. The other reason I'm having you work on eye contact is that that could be a trigger of hers and I just wanna make sure we're neutralizing that trigger if it's there. So work on eye contact, work on getting your fingers combed through her hair. Now, even if you've managed this before, we're going forward with it, so do it anyway. And real short sessions, okay? Now, once you've gotten her used to up to five seconds, then you'll start adding a little pressure and leaving your hand there. Now, again, you haven't even introduced a brush, but you're adding pressure. So maybe about the pressure it would take to put your hands together. Not a lot of pressure, just a little bit of pressure. So as if you were pressing your palms together, you'll put your hand on her back or her neck or on her shoulder. This is more contact. Now, why is this important? Well, contact is one of the many things that she's experiencing with a groomer. Keeping this short and adding a little pressure and then stopping, five seconds, three seconds repeating the very same process, but now just with an open hand, little pressure on her back. And then you'll finish with combing your fingers through her hair, okay? I know this is not your ultimate goal, but you see how we're growing forward with the behavior. Then once she's comfortable with that, I'd work up to 10 seconds on both behaviors. Now it's time to bring out a brush, just one. Make it one that perhaps she doesn't have, if she's got an aversion to any brush, it really doesn't matter, but if there's one that she, likes a little bit more than another one, start there. Go ahead and bring out a brush and put it on the floor. Bristles down, like towards the carpet, as if you were brushing the carpet, and just leave it there. Her first instinct may be to run away. And if that's the case, go ahead and clip her on a leash and lead her over to the brush. And as soon as she sniffs it, praise her, give her cheese, end it. Why is this an important step? Because we have to treat every piece of this like it's its own trigger. We don't really know if the act of grooming was what turned her off. It could have been the forcefulness. It could have been the length of grooming. It could have been how excessively she was groomed. Or it could be the fact that after having so many ticks on her, she just doesn't like being messed with now. Take every little element of this in pieces. So then you're going to encourage her for making physical contact, sniffing the brush, bopping it with her nose, anything like that. Any contact whatsoever. She pause at it; that's fine too. And you work on that for an entire week, no matter how well she's doing at it. You work at it for a week. If she starts making a turn and willingly walking over to it, then you know you're ready to start brushing her with it. Now, I'm not saying this is the ideal route, but for her, You need to make sure that her mind is on track with where you are in this process. You don't want to overwhelm her because every time she gets overwhelmed, she's going right back to that space. I've seen horses do this and I've seen dogs do it. They kind of glaze over and you can almost see them going back into their memory. And so we need to shorten sessions so this way she doesn't have time to go back in time and time travel into the last detrimental behavior she remembers. We're only working in the moment and we're keeping her present. Talking to her can also be helpful, but dogs tune you out if you say too much because they're pretty much nonverbal. A lot of their language is physically sent out. They'll show their shoulders, they'll show their chest, their head movements, their ear movements, their licking. All of those things are a conversation between dogs, but to us, it doesn't have as much value. We're very verbal. I often told clients, talk less. A lot of the cases that I would work, their dogs had two in the mail. They weren't trying to listen to the owners anymore because the owners were too far involved in the process and the dogs were checking out. Less words, just checking in with her, keeping her present with you, and breaking down every piece of this one at a time. That's my advice for right now. And go ahead and send me an update and let me know how it's going. I would love to know. I'm so glad to see you guys in the Dog Guru Hounds group. I love Tickle's photo, by the way. Super cute. I do want to share a warning with you guys. I read an article the other day, and because of this, I want to share this with all of you. I'm going to start off by saying if you ever go to a park or a dog park, be sure to bring your own tennis balls. I'm sad to say that there are people right now taking razor blades and planting them inside tennis balls and leaving them at dog parks for dogs to ingest and it's horrific and so i would hate for any of our listeners or their friends dogs to be injured spread the word let everybody know that this is something that's going on right now it's going on in more than one state so please be hyper vigilant and bring your own tennis balls and take them home with you so that your doggies can be safe i want to thank everybody who wrote in. If you or someone you know has a doggy question, you can email me directly at dogguru here for you at gmail.com. Please join us at the Dog Guru Hounds group right on Facebook, super easy. Go ahead and check it out. If you've enjoyed the show, you can donate at slash your dog guru or you can rate us wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can hear all the new episodes. Last but not least, if you or someone you know are interested in starting a podcast or perhaps you have a new show and you need help with editing or growing your podcast audience, go check out com. The link is in the show notes. And right now they're offering $100 off if you include their ad in your podcast episodes. So head over to com. Podcasting simplified. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Blazing Caribou Studios.